0: Hello friends, and welcome to episode 782 of the Lauton Hawks Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday morning. And today's episode is brought to you by the good folks at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Most of today's show will be a mailbag spectacular of sorts. Uh, You know, lots of questions and answers, etc, etc. It's been about a month since we dove into the mailbag. So it was time for one of those. So it's just me today. Hopefully that is going to be a lot of fun to dive into some of these questions. Before we get to the questions, though, uh, there's one newsy item that I wanted to pass along to you that I came across earlier in the weekend. The folks at Morning Consult, obtained an, an internal NBA memo on Friday that talked about four different scenarios for the 2020-21 season, so next season, in terms of actual scheduling and timelines and all of that. Three of those um, scenarios or memos or whatever you want to say, three of those scenarios were similar to what we've all kind of assumed the entire way through with the start around December and the end of next season sometime in June or July. But one of those four scenarios, though, would push the season back to March of 2021 in terms of a start date. And there's a a specific reason for that. And I'm going to quote it here. Quote, if there is a path to a coronavirus vaccine or therapeutic treatment that increases the likelihood that teams could host fans in their home arenas over the course of an 82 game schedule, end quote. So, Obviously, the league would be heavily considering revenue impact if they made that choice. That's very, very clear in that you know, if you just do the dollars and cents, obviously, the league makes a lot more money when they're fans versus when they're not fans. Um, Also, that plan would consider a break in July of next year for the Olympics that will be happening in Tokyo. And then following that, this plan would lay out a resumption in August and the final sometime in October. It would also feature kind of a rolling schedule, potentially, which is uh, basically instead of announcing the entire schedule ahead of time, it would be sort of versatile and malleable, and it might change along the way. That'd be pretty strange compared to normal, but uh, it's one of those things that nothing's normal right now, so I want to say that out loud. Obviously, all of this is a bit odd, but I thought it's pretty noteworthy, in my opinion. It makes intuitive sense to me that the league would delay things if they had a, a reasonable level of confidence That it would be the difference between between no fans and having fans obviously we don't know that's going to happen in terms of when they will know that if they can know that for sure etc etc but if if the only two choices were no fans on the timeline of december or fans starting in march you could see why the league would lean toward the fan direction considering all the reporting about how much of the revenue is driven by fan involvement so We'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, it's very, very early, and this is just a couple of memos that leaked, but I wanted to pass that along as the only sort of big picture thing. Uh, people are people have been asking about the second bubble rumblings. I've heard very little else since that reporting about Chicago. Uh, we'll see how that all changes once the NBA gets up and running, hopefully, in Orlando in the next couple of days. You know, lots of teams are already there and practicing, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe the, maybe the focus will shift back to the delete Eight teams at some point in time, but there you go for that. Okay. We will now dive into the mailbag, starting with uh, the first question today, which comes from Daryl, who asks, who is the top prospect on your big board that you think the Hawks just absolutely couldn't draft with their own lottery pick? Um, I'll say there are definitely some guys that I would prefer not to draft as the Hawks in the top eight. And again, the Hawks at the moment can go as high as number one and as low as number eight. So I'm assuming for this purposes of this exercise and all the the hypotheticals around the lottery, unless there's a trade, the Hawks are going to be somewhere on the top eight. Um... So yeah, I, I prefer to take some guys uh, and some, and not take some other guys, but alas, um, that list would include guys like Obi Toppin and James Wiseman. I would not take them if it was up to me, but I could at least see the argument for those players. Um, I definitely would knock some other guys down my board a little bit for fit reasons. That would include Anika Kongwu, for instance, uh, maybe even guys like Killian Hazel and Lamelo Ball at the very, very top, although that would be sort of minimal just, just for fit reasons. I still like those guys, but for obvious reasons, they might uh, have a little bit less appeal to Atlanta than other markets. Um, But the best answer for me to this question specifically is probably Kyra Lewis from Alabama. That is not a a knock at all about Lewis, who I think is definitely like a late lottery level talent. But he's listed at 6'3 and 170. Basically, I think he's a pretty clear one position player at point guard. And sort of, you know, it makes it easier for me to say this out loud because I think Lewis is outside my top 10, for instance, and the Hawks have this top 8 pick. But even people that have him a little bit higher than this, and there are people that I trust that have Lewis as like a top 7, top 8 guy in this class, I just can't, I just couldn't take him with Trey Young on the roster. You know, obviously there are point guard types in this draft, specifically LaMelo Ball and Killian Hayes, who I think the Hawks could take, because, um, you know, among other things, they're both very big for point guards. You know, LaMelo Ball is huge for a point guard. Killian Hayes is a legit 6'5", and certainly has shooting guard level size. I think Kyra Lewis, in addition to being not that tall, and long, like he's kind of long, actually, but I think he's a point guard. He's not very strong, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I still like him quite a bit, but for the Hawks specifically, he would be the top guy on my board that I would not take. And honestly, he's probably the potential lottery pick that I've discussed the least of anyone on this podcast over the last several months. This is honestly the reason why I do like Kyra Lewis, uh, but this is still a Hawks podcast at the end of the day, so I'm not really into asking guests about him because there's still a bunch of Hawks fans listening, and I don't think the Hawks can take him. So there you go on that. I think teams like Orlando should be throwing themselves all over the place to get Kyra Lewis uh, somewhere in the late lottery or mid first round. But um, the Hawks just can't take him in my opinion. So that answers the question as directly as possible. I still like Kyra Lewis, but he would be the top rated player on my board that I just would not take under any circumstances for the Hawks. Again, In the top eight, by the way. Uh, That that was the question, so there's the answer. Okay, before we get to the rest of the podcast, a quick word from the folks at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible to stock all the car and truck parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront, so why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait forever while the counterperson orders the parts on his or her computer, choosing only the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? Instead, you have access to rockauto.com at home, or in your pocket, and it's a much, much better option. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, Rock Auto has everything you need, just a few easy clicks, delivered directly to your door. Chain stores have different price tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everybody, and they are always the lowest prices possible. The rockauto.com catalog is also very easy to navigate. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login of any kind. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So why would we you spend up to twice as much for the same exact parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts for your, uh, available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we definitively sent you there. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car, all the car parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, and we're back. Next question on the agenda comes from Russell, who says, uh, and I'm quoting here now from Russell, you don't really think the Hawks should bring Anthony Edwards off the bench, do you? That seems crazy to me, especially if he is the number one overall pick. Um, I understand this, first off. Uh, I said this a few times, but I think what Russell is talking about specifically is that I've made the comment that there isn't a single player in this draft class that I think should... Again, should start for the Hawks as a rookie on opening night. Um, Even when I've said that, I usually couch it with Edwards as the example of a guy that would have the best chance to start, both positionally and also the fact that there's just a PR um, reason to to basically start a number one overall pick, a number two overall pick. Most of the time, guys who are taken that high, I would say the vast majority of the time, guys that are taken that that high are starting from the get go for obvious reasons. Usually, they're on bad teams and they're usually really good prospects, but. For me, it's as simple as this. Anthony Edwards or anybody else in his class is not a better player right now than Kevin Herter or Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter to me. Now, that is taking into consideration, even then, uh, that the Hawks still could add more guys. Uh, they could add a Joe Harris. They could add a DeAnthony Melton. They could add a Chris Dunn. They could add, you know, name, name your veteran quality guy making eight figures. Those guys are all available, and the Hawks could sign one or two of them. But even if they don't do anything else... No one in this class, in my opinion, is better than the guys they already have right now, which means for me, you shouldn't start them. Now, I'm not telling you that it's impossible that the Hawks could start someone like Edwards specifically if they drafted him um, at number one over number two. But again, if everybody is healthy, I personally would not start any rookie in this class, whether it be Edwards, whether it be Ball, who's number one overall on my board, whether it be Okoro, whether it be Vassell. Uh, Killian Hayes. There's not a guy in this draft that I think is better than the, than the guys the Hawks have right now. Obviously, better prospect is a different question. Anthony Edwards is a better prospect than Kevin Herter, in my opinion. With that said, right now, Kevin Herter is two years ahead of Anthony Edwards, and I think is a much, much more safe uh, and better player to play an nba game right now that shouldn't be controversial i'm sure it will be seen as that but alas uh that is my justification so yes I, i still stand by it i do understand there are pr pressures for top top picks and uh yeah i i get all that but it's just one of those things and i would not start anyone that the hawks would be drafting this year in the at least moment one if everybody was healthy Transitioning, this is sort of a similar uh, question, sort of a jumping off point. The next question comes from David, who asks I know you selected LaMelo Ball at number one overall in a mock draft earlier, but how married are you to that? I'm reading a lot about Anthony Edwards if the Hawks get the number one overall pick. Um, this is now my answer. Uh, I'm very confident that I said at the time of that crossover Lockdown Podcast Network mock draft um, that I, uh, you know, it's not an easy decision. I, I don't think that. I'm married to that partnership. Like, do I think that Lamelo Ball is going to be number one on my board the whole rest of the way in terms of in my vac in, in a vacuum non Hawks just overall NBA draft big board? I do think that, and that's the rationale honestly for taking Ball more than anything is that I think he's the best prospect best prospect available in this draft. Is that going to change? I don't think it's going to be. I'm not alone. I'm not alone in that, but at the same time, it's not a consensus either. It's not like he is on the Zion level where everyone agrees or at least most most people agree that he's number one overall pick. Melo is the best player, in my opinion, but if that was the only consideration, the Hawks would take him. Now, with that said, I've waffled back and forth a couple different times, and we'll probably do it again in the next couple of months, whether the Hawks should take either him or Anthony Edwards at number one overall. Um, First, I would still try to trade the pick. I've said that very, very many times. I think it's pretty clear at this point that I um, feel that way, but it's worth saying again now because it was sort of part of the question it doesn't mean the Hawks have to trade the pick, but I definitely would put the, pick, put the pick on the market to some degree and at least consider deals to either trade back or try to secure a high-level piece that's already under contract somewhere else in the league that's young, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. maybe aim for a star. Um, regardless, I would at least evaluate my options at number one overall as the Hawks. Now, if you remove trade from the table, I do think that Anthony Edwards is pretty easily the most natural fit there. I think it's a two-person race. If I am the Hawks at number one overall between Ball and Edwards, by the way, um, I know there are other guys that I like as well, but not not number one overall. Um, I think if I took a poll of everyone in and around the league, from you know team people to scouts to analysts that are outside the league that work for teams, etc., um, most people would take Edwards as the Hawks at number one overall. Not everyone, but most. I think he's a consensus top three pick for a reason. It's pretty. Uh, he's pretty obviously a, nat- a more natural fit than Ball. I don't like love Edwards in the way that some people do, but at the same time, he is very appealing in terms of skill set and athleticism and age and profile and talent. Edwards is a really interesting player, and he's there's a reason why he's highly regarded. Uh, by the way, I talked about Edwards quite a bit on the last podcast I did with Zach Hood at the end of last week, so if you missed that one, that's a deep dive on the combo guards in which we saved Edwards for last, about a half hour on him, so go back and listen to that for more on Edwards specifically. But... The short answer to the question is no that I am I'm not married to LaMelo Ball at number one overall for the Hawks specifically. If I was picking for the Hawks, uh sorry, if I was picking for the Pelicans or the Knicks, like teams that don't have a lead ball handler, um not the Pelicans necessarily, the, the Pistons, the Knicks, a couple other teams that are like I think it's very, very obvious. And really anyone that doesn't have a defined point guard of the future, I would lean to LaMelo Ball. A couple of teams I do think would be pretty obvious to me, but the Hawks are in that rare spot where they are a team with projected top five lottery odds that has a legitimate star-level player already on the roster in Troy Young, and he's a point guard. Do they, can, they, can they play together? I think they certainly can. But with all that said, the fit concerns are out there. We've, I've talked about him at Nauseam. I'll talk about him again, I'm sure, at some point in the near future. But for Atlanta, I would certainly consider Edwards maybe even lean that way by, by the time the lottery arrives. And Edwards is someone who you, you, would, have to, you would not have to sell me on Edwards as the number one overall pick for the Hawks. The fit does make a lot of sense, and he's still – Very, very talented and has a lot of upside. Um, One last reminder, by the way, the Hawks uh, at this moment in time, there's been a lot of discussion about this. I know Chris Kirshner of The Athletic did a couple of uh, sort of interviews and back and forth with guys where this has come up. And I'm guilty of this too. I always ask guests who I would take number one overall. But as a reminder here, the Hawks only have about a 25% chance to pick in the top two uh, and that's not even just number one. That's in the top two anywhere. So uh probably not a decision that's going to happen. If you if you do the math, but alas, it's pretty interesting to think about now during this uh, seemingly never-ending hiatus between now and even when the lottery gets here. Okay, uh, I think it's probably going to be the last question that's coming up now. Uh, it'll be a little bit a little bit longer of an answer though, and it comes from Charles, who says. I may have missed it, but can you explain what you mean when you say that John Collins' cap hold is a big consideration with his contract extension and all of those negotiations? I don't quite understand all the ins and outs of the contract situation. So before we get into Collins specifically on this answer, uh, there is so much uncertainty with the salary cap for next season um, that it's really worth pointing out uh, again here. There are so many ramifications potentially of the COVID-19 revenue loss, the timeline, all that stuff. The most recent pre-pandemic projections was, was about $115 million as a salary cap for next season, and through that lens, the Hawks would have had about 45 to $50 million in terms of cap space, and that only includes nine guys on the roster. That includes Brandon Goodwin, plus the cap hold for the top five picks, so essentially 10 guys, and then you have to fill out the rest of the roster but with obviously the number one uh, amount of cap space in the entire league. So your guess is as to good to as mine for how much the cap might drop, but a few people have projected somewhere in like $109 million range as sort of like a holding point. Everybody is guessing right now, so it makes it a lot harder. So still, the Hawks will have the most cap space in the league, Unless something changes drastically, and at the moment, the Hawks would have even more space for the following summer in 2021, with the obvious caveat that the Hawks could cut into that this summer by, you know, signing players to multi-year deals, making a trade, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a long way out. I understand. Um, the summer slash fall of 2021 is what we're talking about here for the most part. Now, John Collins is set to hit restricted free agency next summer after the after after the upcoming season. He'll be a free agent unless he signs an extension. If he does not sign an extension, his salary cap hold is about $12.4 million. That is lower, by the way, than you might think because Collins was a pretty low draft pick. He's number 19 overall. He was not a lottery pick. And uh, all of the other core guys went a lot higher than him or than Herter. Um, and those guys will have a lot higher cap holds when we get there. But for right now, basically what this means is if the Hawks do not extend John Collins this summer, he will quote-unquote cost them $12.4 million against the salary cap next summer in terms of when free agency begins. And that is basically to have some sort of charge for the Hawks to keep his rights. And they're obviously going to want to do that. They're going to, they're going to offer him a qualifying offer. So for example, when free agency opens next summer, we'll say July 1st, just because that's usually when it is, the Hawks will be charged $12.4 million for Collins, even with him hitting free agency and having, and the fact that he hasn't been extended at this point in time. So in order to have his, you know, his tender, his rights, that, that's that's the charge against the cap. Anyway, so considering what the considering what Collins is likely to ask for in an extension, we've heard romans of the max or the near max. We can pretty much assume that the gap between his cap hold of twelve point four million dollars and his year one salary in an extension is going to be probably ten million dollars or more. Now it could be like eight million if he really wants to sign an extension so badly that he takes a substantial discount. But regardless the Hawks will be giving up a substantial, and I mean substantial bit of salary cap space and flexibility for 2021. If they pay John Collins this summer, that is the biggest factor here. Now, most responses that don't understand this or don't want to understand this are basically either. Why does it matter? Or, um, they'll make an argument or people will make an argument that, you know, keeping John happy is a bigger factor. And I understand both those things. Now to to sort of address the question of why it matters, there is a chance that it doesn't matter. Um, especially it comes down to kind of how much Travis Schlank and company value 2021 cap space. Um, Just as a short breakdown of that, uh, next year's free agent class 2021 is leaps and bounds better than this year's group, which we talked about a lot. There really isn't a whole lot of star power this year at all, especially when you factor in Anthony Davis and Brandon Ingram, they're probably going to stay put. Um, But regardless, there are some star level options next summer. And Almost more importantly, the 2021 summer is also likely to be the last time the Hawks will have big cap space for a while, because after that, Trey Young gets an extension. Guys like Herder and Reddish and Hunter will be start inching towards pay, inching toward paydays. If you do have John Collins, he'll be making more money, et cetera, et cetera. So the short version is, if the Hawks want to have max space in 2021, and there's a lot of reasons why they would why they why they would want that, saving that 10 million dollars or more in cap space would be a huge factor towards creating that kind of creating that kind of space in addition to being responsible this summer. Now, it also has to be noted that Collins would be restricted at the end of his contract. And while I understand that he would definitely prefer the extension ahead of time, he can't leave the Hawks unless they pass on an offer sheet, because they're going to offer him the restricted tender, uh, the qualifying offer. That's going to happen. So he's not going to be able to get away from the Hawks. Now, the contract could be less than ideal for Atlanta. That's that's a fact that definitely matters. But in terms of just him leaving that's not going to happen unless the Hawks allow him to do that. Now, there's some value in pleasing Collins uh, and pleasing his agent and all that stuff, but when it comes to eight figures, like, again, $10-plus million, maybe even as much as $15 million in cash space savings during a summer where there are definitely all kinds of star power available, it's a factor that has to be considered, and it's often overlooked, which is why I end up ranting about it quite a bit. Um, basically, any extension, and I mean any extension that Collins realistically could sign— is going to cut into cap space for 2021. Now, how much that matters, again, up for debate. But the biggest question, for me anyway, is how much the Hawks care about keeping the decks clear for a big push in free agency that summer. If they don't care, if Travis Schlenk decides that he wants to make his big moves this summer and uh, you know spend a lot of money free agency or make it, make the big splash trade, then extending Collins makes more sense because the... the um, I guess the opportunity cost is not quite as high because if you're already filling up the cap where you wouldn't have a max slot, paying Collins, especially at a discount, makes a lot more sense. But if Schlenk wants to keep the decks open and go for that free agency splash or that big trade splash or just the flexibility of having a lot of cap space next summer, then you would want to maybe not extend extend Collins as much. So even beyond all of that stuff, an extension like this takes the risk away from the player, puts it on the team. That's kind of common sense, but when you pay a guy a year early when you, when you don't have to, by the way, the the last time the Hawks did this was with Dennis Schroeder, and while that deal was considered to be like kind of market value when they did it, by the time the by the time that he actually went hit free agency, that deal looked bad, and it actually looked worse as it, as it got going. Now that's a bad example in some ways because Dennis Schroeder was never as good as John Collins, but. That is a pretty good illustration when like a deal might look good, but if a player gets hurt or if a player levels off, etc., the risk goes from the player to the team in this spot. So if you want to basically any time, my philosophy anyway, is regardless of any salary cap dynamics that are in play with the Hawks or anybody else, it doesn't make sense, in my opinion, to give out an extension a year early to a non-superstar level player like and I'm not saying Collins is not a star. I think he can be a star. I think Collins is really, really good. People know that. But unless you're talking about someone who is like a no-doubt superstar, like your Trey Young-level player, um, I do not like giving out extensions a year early unless it comes with some level discount. Like, people want to pay John Collins the max right now. I would not do that. And I think John Collins is going to be a max-level player eventually. I do think he's really good. Um it's not a it's not a lock to me that he's gonna be worth a max, but if you if you sort of extrapolate what he was this year, you can say pretty pretty reasonably that he was like a a max or at least something close to that level player when he was playing this season. But again, you wanna get a discount if you're gonna give us an extension unless you're talking about locking up a, a real superstar. Yes, like next summer, Trey Young probably gets offered the full max, like the minute the Hawks can offer it. And that's because Trey Young is on a different level than John Collins in terms of Prospect status in terms of just all in terms of everything. He he's more of a star, more of a superstar player. um But honestly, the level of player that I think is like a that you offer a no doubt max to a year early is pretty high. And John just doesn't meet it. And that's not that's not a shot at Collins again. I like John Collins, but I think in order to do a deal for an extension with this kind of player, that's even you know Collins is really good, but I still want to get I still want to get a, 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 I want to secure a discount if I'm the Hawks. Regardless of everything else. And uh, that's before taking into account all of the salary cap machinations. So, yeah, we've tackled the question before in terms of whether it's a good idea for the Hawks to pay Collins now or wait for the summer. The answer is I don't know, honestly, without knowing what kind of deal Collins would take, without knowing Schlenk's motivations. But even beyond that, and to go back to the original question, one of the things we do know about a Collins extension is that the Hawks would be lighting on fire about eight figures in cap space for next summer. Now, again, It comes up for debate as to how much you care about that, but we know for a fact, like, there is no extension that John Collins signs this summer that will not negatively impact Atlanta's salary cap situation for the following summer. That's just the nuts and bolts of this thing. Again, Sort of interpret it the way that you want to in terms of how much you care about that or how much the Hawks care about that, but it is a factor. That's one of the things that I want to point out. It never gets talked about. I get why it's sort of an odd circumstance because he was a low pick, and as a result of that, he has a lower cap hole than a lot of these guys do, and the Hawks have cap space in a way a lot of these teams uh, these teams don't. But it's a factor. And uh, it should be discussed more. So that's that's kind of my overall thesis. But hopefully that explains it. If you have more questions, if I did not do a good job explaining it, please hit me up. If you want to at BT rolling or at Locked On Hawks on Twitter, I will try to answer your questions. Also, there is a salary cap primer that's pinned at pstreethoops.com written by a good friend of the program at ATL Hawks Fanatic. It's very very in depth and talks a little bit about this as well. Um, it's from March, but not that much has changed other than just the the uncertainty that comes with the with the salary cap. But that's all still, sort of still applicable as long as you understand that the uh, Cat could be in flux in the coming days. So, that's I, rec- I would recommend reading that uh, as well in the coming days. So, again, hopefully, that answers all of the questions that I have for today. Please subscribe to the show. I've uh, made a couple of pleas on that recently. I'm not, that's not an accident. I'm trying to make sure we get subscri- subscriptions up, it really helps us in uh, podcast searches. Also, positive five-star reviews are very, very helpful. Tell your friends as well about the show. I really, really enjoyed doing the show, even during this challenging time. I love the draft, which helps. This is a weird class, but I still like talking about the draft. And I know we did some drafts on this show, but the mailbags are fun. I'm still planning to do uh, tons of guests that are lined up for uh, the next several weeks. and the, the lottery is still a ways away here, about a month and a half, but we're getting closer. I promise we're inching, we're inching towards actual basketball stuff. And uh, if there are any updates on the bubble, second bubble, all that stuff, I will try to bring those to you on the podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening and subscribing today, and we'll see everybody later on in the week.